0: Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on The Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5, KPEL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, there is plenty of conversation to be had today. Of course, we want to start with the biggest news story of the day, and that is the continued possible financial crisis that we are seeing in the financial sector. So on Friday, I mentioned Silicon Valley Bank, the collapse of that bank and the federal government taking it over. Um, as of yesterday, state regulators in New York at, uh, at at the encouragement of the Federal Reserve Board had taken over New York's Signature Bank. And so those were two banks that have been taken over. Today, a third bank, First Republican Bank, has... Uh, it's lost a lot of its value. There has been a run on that particular bank. It has not collapsed, but there has been a run on it. So what what is happening here? There is a lot of information that's come out from Friday to today that has basically kind of given us insight as to what happened and based on the reading and I, I've had to read more about banks in the last 72 hours then I think I've read since the financial crisis of 2007-2008 and this is certainly the biggest financial crisis since that time the Silicon Valley Bank is the biggest uh bank collapse since that time but we need to go back to that time in order to lay the to understand the lay of the land and how it leads to what we've seen here. We had the, the, the global financial crisis of the late Bush era, early Obama era. And one of the things that the government did in fighting that financial crisis was to absolutely tank the interest rate. The Federal Reserve lowered the interest rate and kept it low for a very, very, very long time. For about 15 years, the bank, uh, the Federal Reserve, has kept interest rates very low. So this is a good thing if you are an investor, particularly in the tech field, which requires a lot of investment because the tech field is a field where there is constant innovation and tech companies are constantly borrowing against themselves in order to invest and develop new that's one of the ways they 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 keep their money moving well when the inflate when i'm sorry when the interest rate is low it's good for people who want to invest like that it's not so good for the economy after the obama years then came donald trump and the economy saw a major boost under trump the stock market was happy as could be There was economic prosperity up until the pandemic. Well, during this time, the Federal Reserve wanted to raise interest rates. The Fed looked at the economy and said, you know what? The economy is strong enough. We can start to raise interest rates. We can make sure that we're not really leading to too much inflation. And we can do one better and start staving off any sort of future crisis. The Fed wanted to raise interest rates. When you raise interest rates at a time when inflation is not super high, what you're saying is you believe that the economy is strong enough to be able to handle that. Most of the time, when you raise interest rates, if you have to raise them by a lot, it causes a recession. When you lower interest rates, it tends to lead to inflation. The way you combat one is by going, going the other direction. The Fed, during the Trump years, believed very strongly that if it raised interest rates just a little bit at a time, it would not cause a recession, but it would make sure that we stave off inflation because the economy was riding high, probably a little too high. But Donald Trump very much opposed it and even was going so far as to publicly threaten members of the Federal Reserve. The Fed still raised rates a bit, but maybe Could have done it more if the president were on board, but the president was not. Then we have a minor economic crisis. When COVID hits, we shut down the economy. So what happened when the economy shut down? Nobody was taking out loans. And this is where Silicon Valley Bank, which had dealt largely with the tech sector, came in. Nobody was taking out loans. None of these tech jobs, none of these tech companies were taking out loans from SVB. So they had a lot of cash. Well, what do you do with that cash? See, banks don't just keep your money in a safe somewhere. They take that money, they put it into bonds, they put it into other investments to help that money grow. And so they can get access to that money. They can make a sale, have the money if you need to come, if if a bunch of people come in all of a sudden and want their money. By federal rules, they have to have enough money to be able to cover all of their accounts. Well, after... Trump left office and Biden came into office, we had a lot of government spending. Inflation went up. In order to combat inflation, the Fed has to raise rates. Now, while the rates were low and nobody was taking loans from SVB, SVB took their money and transferred from treasury bonds to corporate bonds that were worth a lot more at the time. But the moment the Fed started raising rates, treasury bonds started yielding more and corporate bonds went down. And we've gotten to a point now where the interest rates are so high, the tech companies are now withdrawing their money to pay their bills. They have to pay off these loans. They can't take more loans. They have to pay the bills they have. Well, at the same time, SVB's money was in these corporate loans. And if you start to sell those in order to get the money out to pay your customers, they were underwater, they were illiquid. And so there was not enough money in the bank's investments to be able to cover the money that they were actually supposed to be holding. This led to last week, one of the darlings of the progressive and financial sectors, Silicon Valley Bank, to say publicly they were looking for ways to cover that shortfall. Had they not said it publicly, maybe some of this could have been averted, but they went very public with their financial troubles. They started saying that they could not cover this money. Then they started openly looking for investors, and when not investors, straight up buyers. This caused a run on Silicon Valley Bank and other banks that had a lot of ties into the tech industry. As a result, with that run on Silicon Valley Bank, the Federal Reserve, the FDIC actually came in, took it over and over the weekend said all depositors will get their money back. It's a sort of bailout without being a bailout. The Fed says the taxpayers not on the hook, but the Fed's money comes from the taxpayers. So that's really kind of a lie. It's a very weird situation. Well, then over the weekend, like I said, you had New York Signature Bank. Now, New York Signature Bank is not one that is tied to the tech industry directly, but they do a lot of business with crypto. And as I mentioned on Friday, cryptocurrencies have largely collapsed as well. And so New York regulators, seeing what happened with Silicon Valley Bank and the Fed, knowing what was about to happen, came in and took over and cited systemic risk, meaning basically the same problems within the system. It was, a, it was bad investments. It was bad management. And it was frankly just a lot of bad luck in terms of what was happening with American financial policy at the time. Today, there was a run on First Republican Bank. And First Republican Bank, There was a run on it at like the opening bell this morning. It had lost something like 60% of its money because people were withdrawing as fast as they could. It did not crash. It doesn't look like they're going to crash, but several regional banks like that one took a hit today. There was a run on some of these banks. Now, the stock market did not panic like you would in a full-blown financial crisis because they believe that the Federal Reserve did what they could to contain the crisis, and it seems to really only be affecting banks with that do a large amount of business with the tech industry. Again, the tech industry is a great industry, full of development, full of innovation, but when it's an industry that consistently borrows against itself in order to continue development and then interest rates suddenly go up, then you have a problem. They have a lot of debts that needed to be paid. The tech bros took a bunch of their money out. And as a result, a lot of those tech bros who are progressive, they want the U.S. government to cover their money over their bad choices. It should not be on you and me, though. It should not be on you and me as taxpayers to have to cover this. Major Financial Institutions because of what happened in 2007 and 2008, are taking these risks. A friend of mine writes about it and says that they are engaged in moral hazard, meaning they are making bad decisions or poorly thought out plans with no risk assessment because the government's bailed them out before and the government likely wants to do it again. It would be great if investors stepped in and rescued Silicon Valley Bank, if it was done privately, the way the private sector is supposed to work. There are billions of dollars tied up into that bank. The FDIC only covers $250,000. you are only insured up to $250,000 within a financial institution. In order to make sure that you get all of your money back, you have to do it one of two ways. Private investors come in to save the bank, or the government comes in to save the bank. Or in this case, take it over, turn it into a new entity, and give the people their money back, which is what the feds are doing. Because of the moral hazard that my buddy talks about, because of the moral hazard... These big banks, these big financial institutions feel no responsibility for risk assessments. So they just do what they can to make the money in that moment and damn the consequences. And that's what's happening. We're now seeing the results of that. Silicon Valley Valley Bank was hailed as one of the great banks of the era because of what it was able to do within the tech sector and how it was able to make so much money. But the tech sector relying on what it did, the tech sector relying on borrowing against itself and poor investments, and with the bank relying on the wrong types of bonds and yields going underwater there, it was a massive issue. So now we've hit the point where these banks have failed, the feds have taken over, and they're talking about a depositor bailout which is where they're saying it's a bailout, but it's not a bailout, but it really is because, again, the Fed's money comes from us. We as taxpayers are bailing this system out. We should not be bailing out these financial institutions for their bad behavior. But at the same time, the Fed is now worried, or at least financial giants are worried about what the Fed's going to do because this goes back to the interest rate issue. 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation or send a message through the KPL app chat. I'll have more on this and a bit more of an explanation as to why this affects the Fed, the Federal Reserve and interest rates when we come back here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. So going back to this, to to, to wrap this up real quick, uh, I just got forwarded an email and a, a national investment group is actually putting out their talking points. I have been of the opinion for most of the day that this is largely contained. Um, and I, I follow a rule of thumb that somebody I know who's in the financial planning business uh, had told me, which is, When reading financial news, consensus is almost always wrong. And the consensus among the financial reporters and analysts is that doom and gloom may be on the horizon, which leads me to believe that doom and gloom is not actually on the horizon as far as the financial sector goes. Now, could doom and gloom be on the horizon as far as policy goes? Could very well be. But this from a national investment group. Here's their take. It's it's in bullet points. The Fed has created a new facility called the Bank Term Funding Program that will offer loans up to one uh for up to one year to banks with the FDIC invoking, invoking systemic risk exception which allows the entity to expand its cause of an institution deemed at risk to the entire system The Deposit Insurance Fund can now cover the gap between proceeds raised from the sale of uh, SVB's assets and the remaining deposits. Here's this investment company's take. Setting such a precedent helps restore confidence in the banking system. Failing to guarantee depositors greater than $250,000 could potentially have led to a massive shift in depositors away from small and regional banks and into the large money centers. Such a move could easily accelerate into a full-blown bank run, putting pressure on many small cap in regional banks while putting significant deposits in the hand of very few banks by sending a message that all depositors will be made whole. It sets the precedent that similar treatment would be given to other banks helping to short circuit the doom loop also accepting collateral at par rather than valuing it at current market prices helps to give more borrowing power to those in need of tapping the BTFP on the negative side. The fact that three banks have gone bust should raise a few questions just like any bank tapping the Fed's discount window, accessing the BTFP should, could send the wrong message to investors. This goes back to that moral hazard stuff I was talking about earlier. The FDIC has the authority to guarantee all deposits of an institution if that bank is considered to be a systemic risk to the broader ecosystem. And so that's where we are right now. The investment community seems pretty Behind the scenes, they seem pretty confident That the situation is contained to just these three banks, Silicon Valley Bank, uh, Signature Bank, and now First Republican Bank. However, if we get to the point where more banks take on riskier behavior because the government keeps bailing them out, we could have a bigger problem. And that's what they're warning of. And that's kind of what I'm, I'm warning of, too. There is a moral obligation. When you are in a financial institution, there's a moral obligation to take care of the money of your customers. As well as a legal one, actually. But you have a moral obligation to do right by your customers. It's not always done in the business community, but you have that moral obligation. Some people just ignore it. That's where we are now. You have financial institutions that are ignoring their moral responsibility and taking risks they wouldn't normally take because they know the government's going to bail them out. All right, 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation, let's jump back to the phone line. Hi, welcome to the Joe Cunningham Show. Who's on the line?
1: This is Chase.
0: Hey, Chase, what you got?
1: So there's a lot to kind of unpack here. You know, when you talk about uh, SVB, then you talk about Signature Bank, you talk about First Republic. You know, the, the the Signature Bank is pretty much, that's in the crypto Space. Yeah. So they've got their own problems. SVB was in basically venture capital, tech, everything like that. And that's, that's kind of a different thing. So I'm not sure if really everybody, and like I got a little bit late what you have discussed, but the reason why Silicon Valley Bank went down is because they invested in the bond market. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so with the feds raising the rates, they basically were upside down. So they were in an unrealized loss situation. Right. So that now that unrealized loss, they haven't sold those bonds you know, because they, they didn't have to sell. I think there was like a three-year maturity on that. So, so if you looked at the consumer price index that came out today, I believe it was at like a 6.4, which is pretty high, which means the Fed is probably going to raise the rates again either a quarter or a half a percent. So although you didn't see the stock market really take a dive today, there's a good chance that you're going to see the stock market take a hit over the next couple of days, weeks, maybe months, because the bots are the ones who buy. You know, the, the big yeah. algorithms in these big companies, they buy the market, okay? Yeah. And they, they're they going to buy the market based on CPI and then the rates going up. So what's going to happen is they're going to sell the market. So, so just everybody needs to be aware of that. The banks that fail, that, that they're really small potatoes. Those are small banks Don't exactly. really kind of mess with the big boys or anything like that. But watch your stocks in the stock market. Because a lot of these companies that most people have in their 401k will take a hit. That will give you a better spot to get back in and buy them again. But you will see a decline in your portfolio.
0: And And you got to a point that I was actually about to jump to before I got to my last topic of the day. And that's the fact that right now all the speculation... Is about what the Fed's going to do because now all of the all of the financial re- which, to in my mind, financial reporters are even worse guessers than sports reporters in terms of the journalism world, and they're all predicting oh this could affect the the Fed and the, make the Fed a lot more cautious. I think the Fed was probably going to go with maybe uh, maybe a fifty point increase instead of a seventy five point increase based on more recent numbers, but we're still going to see the the Fed try to be aggressive because their goal is still to get to 2% inflation. And we're nowhere near that right now. So you're going to see the Fed continue to move it. Unless there's a broad financial crisis going beyond the bounds of what you and I have been saying today, that this is largely contained to just this sector and largely within the tech and crypto space, we're not going to see the Fed really ease up all that much. Maybe they slow down to a, quarter, uh, to a quarter point increase. I don't, I'm not too sure because we have a report coming up this week uh, I think we ha- I think Thursday is the actual inflation number that uh, the, the, the newest inflation numbers come out for February. So we'll see that. And I think that's going to do more to determine where the Fed's going to go on this. I still think it's going to be a 50 point. Uh, 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 yeah. Uh, a point five rather than a point seven five like we've been seeing.
1: And I I agree with you on that. And And so if the CPI number would have come out today at just flat six, or have gone to five, well, the Fed's going to say, well, what we've been doing is working so we can slowly kind of pull back on these rate increases. Well, the CPI number is actually above six, which is telling you that, well, we're not quite there yet. So the Fed's going to make their move based on, you know, numbers. And the next number that's going to go out, inflation is going to be another one. So as of right now, if you just look at CPI, that's telling you that they're going to be at another half a point. On, on you know the the rates. Yeah. Which would have hurt Silicon Valley Bank even more because their unrealized losses would have been even higher because they bought the bonds probably at four and a half. Mm-hmm. So so you know it's just it's it's just I know that's kind of a lot of a lot to, to kind of package up, but most people that watch this, the, the people that are at work right now or don't quite understand how the money moves in the world. There's a lot going on behind the scenes and the people that are in charge they're smart enough, and if, if, if you watch just your regular talking heads on the news, they're not going to tell you the truth because they don't think people are smart enough to handle the truth. If you knew the truth, there would be runs on banks. People would start freaking out because we're in a situation financially, this, this country, with all the money that we've spent, you know, all the money that we've basically you know, printed, everything like that. And what's happening is you're seeing some of those problems now. So I think people really need to be aware that, your, your finances and your retirement and a lot of stuff is temporarily at risk. Now, it's not probably at risk forever, but it's at risk right now because that's the only way that you can, you know, how do you clean the toilet? You flush it. Yeah. And that's what's going to happen in these markets. It, it, it happens all the time. I mean, go back to 2008. I mean, the, the people who were in cash in 2008 became very, very wealthy because you know what they did? When the market flushed, they bought the same thing right now. So people just need to be smart. If they're in cash, great. Maybe sell some positions that they've already made a bunch of gains on. If you've got gains on the books, sell those gains, get in cash, and wait for the next time to buy.
0: All right. Thank you very much for the call. Very much appreciated. 232 if you want to be part of the conversation. And, and to that point, um, I, I mean, I, I grew up in 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 the house of um, I grew up the, the child of a financial planner. So I, I'm I'm not just when I when I say the following, I'm not a financial advisor. I I ran away from that in from from the the family business, as it were, um, not because I, I hated it or anything like that. It just wasn't where my passion lies. But I, I I've listened to enough in my life and have read enough in the past few days to know this. The greatest risk to anybody in uh to anybody's money right now is an emotional reaction to the news. That's always going to be the greatest risk that you have. If you have a financial planner, talk to your financial planner. If you don't, call one up, get some advice, see if it's where you want to go. The fact of the matter is that there is a lot there are a lot of moving Um, there are a lot of moving parts to the financial sector and we don't always, uh, we don't always make the right choice when we make a a quick rash one. The people who are close to retirement are the ones who would be most affected by any of this because it's their money that's being hit very immediately. Those of us who are further away from retirement, we still got time for things to recover, make some moves as, as need be. But the bottom line is talk to a professional on all this, but know that it looks like the crisis that we're seeing here is very limited, very much contained. But if things don't change policy wise, we could see something different on the horizon. All right. Two, three, two, 1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, when we get back, when we wrap up the show with what I've been meaning to talk about for days. But I'm finally going to get to what the hell's going on with China in the Middle East. I'm going to have that and why we should be worried about it here on The Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to The Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. So while all of this is going on in the financial sector here, we also have on the world stage something that we should be keeping an eye on is probably the biggest global news of the weekend, You know, late last week, China got Saudi Arabia and Iran to come to the table and just normalize relations. It wasn't a peace treaty. It wasn't anything like that. The Saudis don't trust Iran. Iran is a destabilizing force. They fund terrorists. They want to destabilize the Middle East. They want to be the dominant power in the Middle East. And all that's bad for business, which is what the Saudis and the rest of OPEC really care about. But it's the fact that they were brought to the table by China. That is the issue. China wants them to normalize relations. They want to continue moving forward with normalizing relations. From the New York Times on Sunday, when Beijing stepped into the role of mediator this week in the surprise rapprochement between Saudi Arabia and Iran, It signaled a new level of ambition for Xi Jinping, China's top leader, who has sought to burnish his image as a global statesman in an escalating rivalry with the United States. China's top diplomat quickly attributed the success of four days of secret talks in reviving diplomatic ties between the two arch rivals to Mr. Xi's leadership, which he said demonstrated the bearing of great power. By taking credit for striking a peace deal in the Middle East, Mr. Xi is seizing on a waning American influence in the region and presenting Chinese leadership as an alternative to Washington led order, he depicts as driving the world toward a new Cold War. Qi was just elected, by the way, to a third term as president. Unprecedented, by the way. It puts him on track for lifetime tenure, which is what he wants. The Chinese goal is very clear it wants to stop U.S. influence on the world stage and supplant it with its own influence. It's the same reason they're more comfortable now with cozying up to Russia while Vladimir Putin continues his invasion of Ukraine even more than a year later. U.S. intelligence is keenly aware of this development and what it means for both Ukraine and Western Europe. See, like China, Russia really wants to get rid of U.S. influence in the East. They want to push back on Western influence. Those two powers working together may actually succeed where either one of them couldn't. Since the energy crisis of last summer, we know that Saudi Arabia's had no love for us. Joe Biden, when he came into office, vowed to make Saudi Arabia a pariah after Saudi crown prince Mohammed bin Salman was responsible in some way for the death of journalist Jamal Khashoggi. Biden was furious at this, and then Biden started ignoring the crown prince's calls. Biden was, I believe, under the impression that he was the president. He would only talk to the king, but the king has basically delegated all ruling power to the crown prince. Well, because of the energy crisis this summer, Biden had to eat a whole lot of crow and go to Saudi Arabia and try to win them back over. But the Saudis are... The Saudis want nothing to do with this, and they're turning to China because the Biden administration has withdrawn the U.S. from the world stage. The U.S. could have taken a more forceful stance against Russia's invasion of Ukraine. It did not, so now China's jumped in to that conflict and is aiding the Russians. China is now preparing to put boots on the ground in Taiwan. China is now looking to round up allies in the Middle East, a very vital Area in terms of resources for the U.S., and yet the U.S. is doing nothing. We should be very concerned about this. We should be very concerned about the fact that China is growing its influence on the world stage. China used to be largely focused on just its nationalist policy, but over the last decade and a half or so, it started expanding to global ambitions, which is not good for the U.S. and its interests. And we need to be careful. All right, that's it for me. 23 hours until I come back. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. Email joe at redstate.com and check me out on Substack, joecunninghamshow.substack.com. Shannon is offsides next with the rustic renegade himself, Caleb Morse joining in. Should be a lot of fun. I'll talk to you guys again soon here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.